हेलो आई एम सैकत माइन मार्केटर क्रिएटिव एंड ऑल अराउंड एल्फा नर्ड वेलकम टू द यू इनकॉपरेटेड पॉडकास्ट ऑन दिस शो आई कैच अप विद सम ट्रूली बैड एस ऑन्टरप्रनोर्स बिजनेस लीडर्स मार्केटर्स एंड कॉन्टेंट क्रिएटर्स टू डिस्कस थॉट स्टोरीज एंड आइडियाज एट द इंटरसेक्शन ऑफ बिजनेस इन्फ्लुएंस एंड डिजाइन If you want to stay ahead of the curve and build your brand, your voice, your way, you're in the right place. Hello, hello. Welcome to the You Incorporated podcast. Please join me in welcoming Kavita Parekh, the founder director of Disha Consultants, a leading overseas education consulting firm that acts as an enabler for students who aim to pursue higher education abroad. Over the past two decades, Ms. Parekh has helped over ten thousand students secure admission to top universities such as Stanford, Harvard, Columbia, Johns Hopkins, and other. leading us universities as well as top canadian universities including the likes of university of toronto the university of waterloo among others welcome to the podcast kavita thank you so very much i'm uh, looking forward to having this conversation so kavita during the course of our conversation we are primarily going to speak about upskilling you see a majority of our audience around 40% of our audience is between 28 to 35 years old and when you are in that age group you're primarily in your second or third or maybe even fourth job you you're expectedly doing quite well in in your profession or maybe you aren't and you are in that zone where you feel the need to upskill when is the right time for us to consider upskilling ourselves the one thing that we all need to understand as we pursue our careers over the next uh, couple of decades is that we constantly need to pay attention to upskilling we have to keep an eye out on what are the changes happening in our realm and be conscious of upskilling i would like to make a slight differentiation in understanding what we mean there is something called reskilling where your skill set is redundant and you need to learn something new there's something where you pick up an entirely new skill and there's something which is just upskilling which is becoming better at what you want to do and what you're doing i think the entire package needs to enable you to upskill so when you become conscious professionally and personally that you are looking for more is when you have to start thinking about what you need to do in order to rise or change or pivot or tweak where you are at and where you are and what are some of the indicators that point out that it's time for you to upskill i think that the way to go about and it's just the grind of daily life sometimes doesn't allow you to spend time to think about more 
what you're doing and where you're headed. So I think professionally, uh, every quarter, as you get your reviews in your organizations, you also have to do an internal review yourself and think about with what I'm doing, where am I headed in five years? And is this where I want to be? Assuming everything goes well, I do what I do. Is this the, what is the trajectory that my career path will take? And is this enough? Is this what I want? And because experience chisel us and carve us and we evolve as we experience and as we we go about doing our daily life you'll find that this can change and perhaps not in a quarter perhaps not in two quarters but over a year maybe over a year and a half you realize that while this is where i'm headed and this is very comfortable this is not what i want i want to do something more and i want to do something different. When we first conceive of the prospect of higher education, there are two primary considerations, I feel. One is what do I want to study? And the second being the monetary aspect of it. And when I am going about creating a blueprint for myself in terms of in terms of the monetary commitment for a certain course, how do I look at this one term that gets abused a lot, which is the ROI? How do I look at what the course is going to deliver to me? And how do I go about calculating the ROI on education for me? Any investment that you make, you have to constantly sort of nurture and keep checking on that investment. And as you make this commitment of an investment, you have to, I think, uh, check on three things. Uh, the first is the base level return that you're going to get. So as you consider the cost of the education, you have to think, what is it that what is the kind of job or what is the kind of earning that I will get over the next five years after graduating from this this sort of education that I'm planning to get? And those numbers are easy to find from glass doors and from talking to colleagues, from talking to people in industry. It's easy to find an assessment of what that's going to be. The second thing you do when you are making a commitment, an investment, and it's not just the money that the cost of the education, I think it's the cost of uh, of the opportunity cost of losing whatever one year, two years that you decide to spend after this is the risk. What if you don't find the kind of job uh, you're looking for? What if you find the kind of job that you're looking for? or the kind of opportunity that you're looking for, but it's not uh, uh, as high paying as you perceive. And uh, particularly when you're looking at uh, countries outside of India, you look at what happens if I'm unable for whatever reason to stay back in that country. So you look at return, you look at risk, and then you also look at what is the upside. This is what I'm likely to get. But what if I get something more? What is the kind of network I can develop out of this? What is the speed at which I can climb up? 
what is the highest height that I can possibly climb up to with this possible degree? And you put that all together personally for you because each one of us is different. Our ability to make the most of this opportunity that we are deciding or considering about is different. And you factor in your individuality before you make the decision to make this commitment. Most of our listeners are in the domain of management, technology, marketing, or design. If we were to slightly funnel it down to these four primary domains, if I am somebody in my mid-20s or early 30s, how can I go about selecting a university that's more aligned with my career goals? And how do I shortlist universities and courses that would be more relevant for my career goals? Absolutely. I think that is a very key aspect of this whole whole process. But as Alice would ask that, where should I go? And the Cheshire cat would reply, that depends on where you want to end up. So the first thing that you do as you're making uh, this decision or even considering this op, what is the right university or what is the right program really depends on what is it that you want to achieve and that's why that that check the indicators that whether or not it's time for you to truly make this choice to not really upskill but to upscale to where you're at when you have done the test of the indicators you sort of would have arrived at what is it that you want do you do you seek depth in a particular say technology area do you seek to combine technology and management? Are you seeking to transition into senior managerial positions? Are you, are you seeking to add a particular domain, say marketing, that you did not really understand? Maybe you want to combine marketing and analytics because of the way the digital world is on us and around us and where we are in the middle of where it is that you want you want to specialize where is it that you want to focus where is it that you want to expand then the first thing you do as you go about uh, considering universities is you understand that there are two clear aspects to these shortlisting process one is the academic consideration and the second are the practical consideration once you list and academic considerations would include first and foremost as you apply you would look at what are the accreditations that in every country there are a set of accreditations that are awarded to programs to universities and you would do the base check on that then you would check how good is that university in your particular area of interest? And if you were doing a tech sort of understanding, what you would do is you would check professors in the great kind of track record in what you're doing. Are the, how wide is the selection of courses in the domain that you're looking to sort of specialize in? What are the kind of facilities and what is the kind of funding that the department has 
not just because you want the funding, but because that is a mark of how others who are funneling that funding to that department or that program consider uh, it or how reputed it is. And uh, one more thing you would consider is what is the kind of industry rapport that that particular university program department has? Check LinkedIn. Uh, look at look at talk to people who reach out to department heads, reach out to placement heads, and engage in conversations which will help you decide whether this is a university and a program right for you. In terms of the practical aspects, I think what you need to look at is location. As you consider return on investment, and I understand we are discussing this in a linear fashion, but as you go about making these decisions, you're, you're evaluating things on a multiple level and then combining and collating everything that you're considering and all information uh, to think and ponder and decide. So I think the cost of the program and the location of the university and then the sort of opportunities that the university can provide are combined to decide whether that is the Right. How do you go about evaluating these regions and what are some of the more common factors between universities primarily in these regions? I find that when people are considering management education and particularly people who are considering this like our audience, which is mid-career professionals, I find that one, two things are primary. One is the reputation and reputation in terms of the ranking that the program has worldwide. And second thing that people factor in is the length of the program. I find that when considering management programs, because most of the continental Europe programs are shorter term, either one year or 16 months, people get tempted because of that. And I think that is just the opportunity cost of uh, of the career that you had. But UK, the top programs in UK or in US tend to be two-year programs, particularly the flagship MBA programs. And there are people consider what is the opportunity to stay back for a few years to round off that education in the context that you received it and also to, to get some return on the investment that you've already made. Uh, uh, so those, I think, tend to be reputation and and length of program tend to be key considerations that people make in management programs. In tech program, I find that people look at where is it that technology is evolving out of? The technology that they particularly are interested in. Is it, uh, is it AI and ML? Then perhaps US is the place to to visit biotechnology, then perhaps I should be also considering UK. Is it the mechanical automobile? Then maybe I should consider Germany. That's how those decisions get taken. And I think 
when it comes to Canada, which is very popular, and honestly, I don't see a lot of mid-career professionals trying to get to Canada. Currently, Canada is the most popular overseas destination for students from India, but that is because students are moving out immediately after their bachelors. And Canada is very popular because they have a great system in place for how do you become permanent residents of that country. So I have had people who have done their education in the U.S., had great careers in the U.S., come back and settled in India, doing very well in India, and then decide that I want to go to Canada because I have a young child, I have two children, and their education will be great in Canada. And then they transition into management education and to try and make a life in Canada. In terms of what you said about universities in these specific destinations, US, Europe, Canada, and, and Australia, what I understood from our conversation is that it's primarily a, a younger demographic that's moving to Canada and US in search of a, of a better life in terms of purely the age factor. In terms of Europe, it's slightly an older demographic because they are also looking at their opportunity cost, which is slightly on the higher side if you have certain numbers of years of experience. And people who are moving to Canada for education are primarily looking to settle down in Canada. So I find that in management programs, particularly to the top sort of 25 schools in the U.S., a fundamental requirement for admission is that you have anywhere between three to five years of work experience. In the management programs, I find that people are slightly 27, 28, even 30 sometimes as they progress. In, in technology, I find that there are, of course, the absolutely fresh out of bachelor students, but there also are these other students who have spent three, maybe four years at large multinationals in India. And as they compare their, the kind of work they do, not just the money they make, because purchasing power parity might be something they know of, but even the kind of work that they do here and the kind of opportunities that could come up if they had this education, I find that increasingly in the tech space also these considerations are actually being made as in management. So in the US, I do find in the tech space, which is essentially the comp sci and the computer engineering space and the management space that people with, who are closer to 26, 27, 28 are also considering this react. So let's look at each of these domains, management, technology, marketing and design. How does the domain and courses fundamentally differ between US, Europe, Canada and let's say Singapore or, or other destinations? And what are the considerations for each of these domains when you're exploring these different geographies in the initial stage of your research? So, so the fundamental thing, I, I think the way you need to go about doing this is you need to clearly, and we, while we discuss this, we discuss first off the indicators that are telling you that you need to upscale. And we discuss that professionally 
you want to change the trajectory of where you are at you know what the 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 path on which you are you want to uh, you want to go to a higher height you want to speed up that or you're looking to completely change what you're doing and you and you want you what is your what is it that you aspire once you know that you and the field that you're in once you combine both this you look at which is the country that will give you the opportunities in order not just to learn but to apply that learning and if you so desire to reside and use that learning in that country to achieve the trajectory or the pivot or the upscaling that you see so that is the first test and that's what uh, when you ask what is popular for which country the reason us comes out on top is because of the size of the economy and the ability to absorb high cost talent and when you're looking at this as you look at heads of tech companies heads of banks heads of multinationals you will find that first generation indians have made it to the top and if that is something you're aspiring for then that is something to to consider and that's why us comes out on top canada comes out on top when you're looking for a change of geography you're quite sure that you want to change the country that you reside in uk and europe come out on top when you are only interested in getting great education and then actually taking it and applying it straight away in in india and the reason for that is the path to getting any opportunity for example germany is a great place to study but and they offer programs in english but to assimilate in the german workplace or in any other continental european country workplace your ability not just to understand the language but to communicate and to be native speaker in the language is very important so unless you have that is a deterrent for you to apply that knowledge in that country or have a few years of work experience in the context and so europe continental europe is very clearly you study there and you are absolutely certain you want to bring it back to india and apply it in india that's when continental europe actually comes up australia new zealand were very popular they lost their charm a bit and with covid and the way they were in protecting their borders i think it'll be a while before sort of interest let's now speak about financing education because we touched upon roi likely early let's now discuss financing education and the topic of scholarships in greater detail how do you go about researching scholarships beyond your beyond those offered by the university sure couple of things in terms of financing i think the one thing that you need to be aware of uh, particularly in the us which tends to be the big ticket uh, cost is that long term loans are amply available both in india 
and in the US, interest rates in India, for example, currently can range from 7% all the way up to 14%, depending on whether or not you have a collateral and the quality of the school that you're you're going to. The second thing is that in the US, you can actually access loan, which can be as little three to six. Of course, when you're taking a loan in the US, you need a sort of guarantor who is either a citizen or a US permanent resident. But I find that a lot of people who are in the US and who were first generation are very open and helpful in considering these options. So that, I think, is something that you have to consider as you plan uh, to get education at this stage in life. The reason I think you have to plan for that first is because scholarships are extremely... And it's about, at that point in time, what is right uh, person and this evolves what used to be a right kind of person three years back may not be the right person right now there there are when there when scholarships are being awarded they're awarded to recruit a student into the school and what is into the university or the program and what is if they were for example looking at hiring recruiting students who were from a particular background now that might have changed so you cannot look at the past and think that i will get this scholarship because five people in the past got it so you have to consider your own resources and you have to consider the loans that are available and fortunately in the last four five years those are just amply available you apply for scholarships which the school the program offers you have scholarships that give up some scholarship. The the Mehtas and the Sharda Sheesh give out some scholarship. The the Mahindras give out some scholarship. The Birlas have a program which is connected to uh, to some particular programs and have scholarships. So those are definitely sources that you you can tap. But but those are processes that actually. You will find out only at the end, once you're admitted, whether you actually and have gone down the entire path, whether or not you will get it. As you consider making the, the applications or whether or not you have to do it, you have to plan with it, looking at your resources and the likelihood of loans, not making scholarship a big portion of it. If they come your way, that's fantastic but not really looking at that as a measure going out this is true for master's programs if on the other end you're a tech person looking at phd in the us and canada any tech or the sciences most phd programs in the us tend to be fully funded and canada also most doctoral programs tend to be fully funded so you get paid to go and study there and of course you uh, chip in in research or you chip in by teaching uh, younger students then those uh, admissions are uh, that much more tough to get like a scholarship but when they're 
paying you to go there and study, then they're going to be that much more exacting in their standard. That was very helpful, Kavita. And with that, it's a wrap. Thank you for being on the podcast, Kavita. Really appreciated you taking time out for this episode. Please tune in next week for the next episode of the You Incorporated podcast. Thank you for tuning into the You Incorporated podcast with me, Sakit. You can write to us at hi at the rate theuinc.co, DM me on LinkedIn, or check out my blog, blog.sakitpine.com, for more interesting content on brand building, content creation, productivity, and influence. Catch you guys in the next episode.